Some weeks ago, Deacon Jay and I thought it would be interesting if as converts to the Catholic Church, we took turns preaching on the mystery of the Eucharist during the Sundays of Lent. Deacon and I come from very different Protestant traditions, but it was the mystery of the Eucharist which brought us, as it has brought so many others, into the church Jesus personally established as the necessary means of salvation. While studying history and theology in college as a non-Catholic, and a hostile one for that matter, among the many things that struck me was not only how indebted Western civilization is to the Catholic Church, a fact it still refuses to admit in many cases, but only two churches preserved a true Eucharist, the Catholic and the Orthodox churches. Some might think it politically incorrect or insensitive to say such a thing or I'm guilty of a microaggression. I'm simply stating historical fact. The Catholic and Orthodox churches never deviated from the teaching of the apostles on the Eucharist, that bread ceases to be bread and becomes the Lord's body, and wine ceases to be wine and becomes the Lord's blood. And only the Catholic and Orthodox churches have kept the apostolic succession that through the laying on of hands in the sacrament of holy orders, only validly ordained bishops and priests are the instruments by which Christ, through his words, make real what Christ says. Bread and wine become his body and blood. There are a few Protestant denominations that have theologies of the Eucharist. I think, for example, of the Methodists, Episcopalians, Anglicans, Church of Christ, and Lutherans, which offers hopeful grounds for dialogue. In severing themselves from the historic church and the apostolic succession, however, they lost a validly ordained priesthood which means their celebration of Eucharist has no objective sacramental reality. The bread remains bread, and the wine, or usually grape juice, remains wine or grape juice. This, is, by the way, is why it's a serious sin when any Catholic goes to a Protestant church and receives communion from a Protestant minister. What are you saying amen to? The majority of the 50,000 plus Protestant denominations today either reject the Eucharist completely as some kind of papal invention or dismiss it as a mere symbol. I grew up with both those views. Once again, the historical record is clear. In the 2,000 year history of the Catholic Church, there was never a time when the true presence of Christ in the mystery of the Eucharist was not believed. Denial of the mystery began quite late with the Protestant Reformation of the 16th century, with, I have to say, the notable exception of Martin Luther. And it continues among their spiritual descendants today. Once I grasped, or rather was grasped by, the historical reality of the Eucharist that requires a historical church instituted by Christ, I could not remain in my Protestant church. 
Some might say, well, that's all well and good, but it has absolutely nothing to do with the temptation scene in today's gospel. On the contrary, it most certainly does. There are, in fact, three destructive temptations that impact, distort our perception of the Eucharist. The temptation to avoid being embraced by the mystery. The temptation to take the holy mystery for granted. And the temptation to avoid making a critical self-examination of conscience before going to Holy Communion. Now, why do some avoid the mystery of the Eucharist? A very simple reason. We are very uncomfortable with mystery. The reality of the Eucharist is beyond our ability to define. We want a rational explanation of how bread and wine, the products of human hands, can bear the infinite weight of the divine presence. And there is none. We insist that the mystery has to make sense to us, has to appeal to our limited minds. We want to bring it down to our level. While Christ wants to raise us to his level, dismissing the reality of the Eucharist or reducing it to a mere symbol, <laughs> it just makes it so much easier to handle. It gives us the illusion that we're in control of it. And it does not require any level of commitment from us at all. The Eucharist is an uncomfortable mystery, an intimate reality given to us while infinitely beyond us, begs questions that cannot be answered by finite minds. And if we accept the grace to believe, and it's always a grace, calls us to an interior transformation, to change, which is something most of us do not like doing. Reducing the mystery of the Eucharist to a mere symbol tames the mystery, makes it manageable, and certainly does not require us to change at all. A famous author and a devout Catholic from the South, Flannery O'Connor, had attended a dinner party one evening when her hostess, a fallen away Catholic, made the patronizing comment that the Eucharist is a beautiful symbol. Well, Flannery O'Connor shocked everyone at the table when she said quite bluntly, and something that most Southern ladies would never say, especially in public, but she bluntly said, well, if it's just a symbol, then I say to hell with it. Her point, if the mystery of the Eucharist is only a symbol, it means nothing. If it is real, it means everything. Why do we fall for the temptation to make the mystery of the take the mystery of the Eucharist for granted? For the same reason we take the love of God, the love of a spouse, the love of a friend for granted. 
we forget who we are. We forget our dignity as beings created in love and created for a relationship with God and through God to be in relationship with others. When we forget what it means to be created in the love and image of God, that we were created for relationship with God and with each other, it becomes so easy to ignore or dismiss the truth that in the Eucharist it is Christ himself who's reaching out to us, trying to embrace us, drawing us to himself, desiring to nourish us with his body and blood, his soul and divinity, to help sustain us in our true identity, which in turn helps us to honor the true identity of others. When we take the mystery of the Eucharist for granted, when we ignore the presence of divine love, it is but a short step to becoming enslaved to the distorted perceptions of this world and our fallen nature. The third dangerous temptation is not making a self-examination of conscience before we receive the holy gifts. St. Paul warns how essential it is that we do so in his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 11, verses 27 through 30. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. And that is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. Consider, if the mystery of the Eucharist is not real, if it is not the true body and blood of the Lord, if the mystery does not convey forgiveness of sins when received in faith, if it is not the Lord's pledge of eternal life right here and now, if the Eucharist does not give us the strength to combat sin in our lives, if it is only a symbol and not reality, why does St. Paul insist on the need for such serious self-examination of conscience before receiving it would be a pointless waste of time that St. Paul most emphatically insists we examine ourselves before receiving the holy gifts, underscores that it is indeed Christ himself we are graced to receive. The sacred author of the letter to the Hebrews makes the chilling statement in chapter 10, verses 28 through 31, a man who has violated the law of Moses dies without mercy at the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the man who has spurned the Son of God and profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and outrages the spirit of grace? It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. An honest self-examination before receiving the body and blood of the Lord with sincere contrition for those things that are not in concert with our dignity and the dignity of others is essential to our growth in our relationship with Jesus and our growth in our relationship with all others. For me, the initial draw to the mystery of the Eucharist 
was primarily intellectual. Jesus, however, is never content to be relegated to only one dimension in our lives. He desires to be in all its dimensions. In my next talk, I will share what happened the first time I received the holy gifts, how I experienced the mystery now as a believer and as a priest. <laughs>